Welcome to Red Couch Manx. I'm Vivek Jacob and I am reunited with Carl Mascarenas. Unfortunately, he had to miss out last time with the early start in the Istanbul match, but he is back today and United are back on a winning front, defeating Everton 3-1. Bernard opened the scoring in the 19th minute, but Bruno came back with two goals in the 25th and 32nd minute. Cavani wrapping up matters in the 94th. Carl, a good way to start the weekend. Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, it was I was sad to miss out last time, but happy to be back and happy to be back on a winning note. Much improved display today. Lots of good things happened in the game today. I thought players were more focused, more engaged, and uh, really knuckled down to get the result that they needed. It, it was tight for the last 10 minutes, but you know that Cavani finish adding some gloss on the scoreline. Uh, lots of good things to talk about. I myself, I'm really happy that at least this time when we're off to an international break, it's a nice 3-1 win as opposed to maybe a hammering at home, which happened the last time. Michael Singh and I talked about this on the last podcast where you did not want to head into the international break with four straight poor performances where coming into this match, you had the dour draw against Chelsea. You had the bad loss to Arsenal, and then you had the shock, embarrassing defeat to Istanbul. So this was a must-win match in many ways. And you'd think about the media speculation over Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. Pressure match, he turns to his favored 4-2-3-1 formation. As far as the formation is concerned, that wasn't a surprise. But again, Juan Mata getting the start ahead of Mason Greenwood, uh, and maybe that was the one question that, that you had going into this. How, do, how did you think Mata fared? If I'm being honest, I thought Mata didn't start the game off that well, but I would say he grew into the game. You could see that he was definitely paying attention to the defensive side of the game, one of the main reasons why he doesn't start as many games as he, he could have. However, he does have certain limitations when it does come to that, uh, speed being one of them. So uh, he's lucky that he has Aaron Wan-Bissaka, who did get caught out a couple of times. But overall, I thought Ole clearly went with the team that he trusted the most, right? He needed a performance because he couldn't go into the international break where for you know a week and a half to two weeks, the media is slaughtering him. So I thought uh, he just picked people that he could trust and people he couldn't were on the bench. I don't know if the players are receiving that message, but it should be loud and clear by now. But I thought overall, I I really want to give credit to the players. You go 1-0 down, and as you mentioned, on the back of three other results that weren't the greatest, you know, the team could be under a bit of a pressure and playing with a lot of nervousness, but you didn't really see that. You almost saw them click into a different gear. And I must say, Bruno Fernandes almost single-handedly just took the game by the scruff of its neck. And said, we are not going down without a fight. And then you could see he was getting into space a lot more frequently. I think this is where Everton missed a trick. And we'll, we'll, we'll dig a little deeper into that. But Bruno playing some really great balls. I thought Fred and Scott were solid at the back. A lot of great pressure and passing. And for one, I was really happy that both Scott and Fred, once they received the ball, were actually looking up and playing passes forward much more than they used to. So I, I think that was definitely positive. So whatever Ole has been working in training, for players in that state where you're 1-0 down to be that positive, 
was extremely encouraging for me. Yeah, there, there was definitely a lot to be encouraged by after the goal. But maybe let's start with that concession again. Bernard in the 19th minute, it comes off a goal kick. And that is probably the thing that is most discouraging. It was Route 1 football where Pickford sends it up the field. Dominic Calvert-Lewin gets a header, directs a header onto Bernard's path. He takes a touch in front of Juan Bisaka. Bisaka tries to get a block in, but Bernard is able to sneak it through De Gea at the near post. I don't know if there's much more De Gea could have done because the way Bernard shaped himself, he's got to look out for that sort of curling shot around his far post. And Bernard just managed to sneak it by. It was just, a, it, to me, it was a clever shot. But I don't know how much more United could have done on that front. I did think to start the match, Everton were on the same wavelength as Istanbul in the sense that they looked at United having Mata in that starting lineup and said, okay, we have Luka Dean, we have Bernard, and we're going to pressure United's right side, which has generally this season been the strong side. But over the course of the match against Istanbul, and this match, I feel, I feel like teams have said, okay, you know what? We think we can expose you a bit depending on what type of help you put on the right side next to Juan Bissaka. For the goal, you, you you nailed it. As a keeper, you're expecting your defender to cover the near post, right? So you're you're looking out for that curler. And you know what? That's the first time I've seen Aaron Juan Bissaka let a shot through in a while. So I'm not going to bust his sh- chops, so to speak, but... Bernard did kick it through one uh, Bissaka's legs, right? So uh, mm-hmm. I don't think De Gea is at fault at all. So I'm not even I'm not even going to open that can of worms. In terms of, I think Everton were smart in targeting our right hand side. It's also their stronger side because uh, Luca Dean is a great crosser of the ball. It looked like uh, Bernard was reinvigorated. That probably has something to do with the fact that. Uh, Rickardson's uh, ban is over after the international break, and he's probably going to be the one that makes way for him. So he had to put in a shift to stand any chance of starting the next game. So I think he was definitely motivated. And uh, you could see he was really attack- attacking with intent. I did think that United started cautiously for the first 10-15 minutes. I did expect them to come out a little bit more aggressively, but it was almost like uh, the messaging in the dressing room was like, hey guys, Let's be solid for the first 10 minutes. Let's not concede and let's build from there, right? And I think that that happens when your confidence is so fragile. And so I'm really hoping that this gives them the impetus to start from minute one. Let's get going at them, right? We've got pace. We've got guile. Let's make use of that. And I thought um, this is something to build upon. Once again, we've all been here, right? It's a, it's a, it's a stop-start season for the last... How long since Fergie has uh, has been has has retired? <laughs> yeah, so it's been um, about seven years. Yeah, yeah. So it's been stop start for seven years. So every time we look like we've turned a corner, we we take five steps back, not two. Yeah, and and just so everyone knows, Everton in that four three three formation and that front three was Bernard, Dominic Calvert Lewin, and Hamas Rodriguez returning after missing the last couple of matches. I actually find it interesting. We talk a lot about narratives and again, United concede that goal and straight away the cameras go to Ed Woodward and Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. When Bruno gets his two goals, no one says a word. Let's start with that Bruno goal. 
Luke Shaw doing well to create a bit of space for himself on that left flank. Gets a cross in. Bruno running into the box. You know, I, I wouldn't call it quite Cristiano Ronaldo-esque. He didn't really get up that high, but really effective nonetheless. Uh, heads it into the bottom corner. And then the second goal, that was a chipped cross, definitely intended to find Marcus Rashford. Rashford, I mean, that was an inexcusable miss on the header. He really should be getting on to the end of that. And I think United were pretty lucky that that happened to find the back of the net. Yeah, I I think like starting off with that Luke Shaw cross, it was so refreshing to see a cross from one of our wingbacks beat the first man and get a nice deep cross into the box. The second thing that was really refreshing, because I haven't seen this in a long time with United, where it's a midfielder busting a gut to get in the box and head a ball, right? We're so like hell-bent now on having a defensive midfielder versus an attacking midfielder. I mean, the last time, like, the, who would do that? The last guy who would do that consistently was Paul Scholes, just running into the box those late runs, and you get a lot of goals that way. That's something mm-hmm. that's been expected of Pogba. It hasn't really happened, but man, I would love to see that more often because defenders don't know how to defend that when an extra person is coming into the box, right? So, credit to Luke Shaw. Uh, he's really worked on his crossing. And that was a fantastic cross. For the second goal... Actually, before you go to the second goal, I just want to ask you something based on what you said. That's two games in a row now where Luke Shaw has been able to make that cross. Obviously, against Istanbul, he he found Marshall for the goal. And now he finds Bruno. Do you think that now motivates midfielders to get into the box for those crosses? Because I feel like Luke Shaw and Juan Bissaka, they have a tendency to put in low balls, right? And especially with Luke Shaw, I think it's usually those cutbacks. And I think a lot of times you do see the midfielders setting up for that cutback. Usually the defender closes down and then United are, you know, again, sort of fiddling around in that final third, trying to create space again. So now with two crosses leading to goals, do you think now we see more of those direct runs into the box saying, hey, put it in there, we'll get our head on it? A hundred percent. I would be lying if I said that, you know, personally me, when I've played in games and I knew the ball was going to someone who couldn't cross, I was less motivated to make that uh, where I would bust a gut to get into the box because I'm like, it's probably not going to come. So let me save my energy for the next one. Right. So I think definitely seeing the ball getting into the right areas, you're more uh, likely to go into those areas to try and head it because, you know, there's a chance it's going to come. So Definitely think that uh, Luke Shaw has uh, been motivated. Uh, I guess we can talk about that a little bit more later on. But uh, it's 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 really nice to see that our wingbacks actually can have assists and, and they know that as well, right? Yeah, and then uh, I think you wanted to move on to the second goal. And this is probably the easiest Canton caller that we've handed out so far. And Bruno, like you said, just taking the game by the scruff of the neck and didn't mean to score that second goal, but I'm sure he has no complaints about adding to his tally. Yeah, I mean, from a Cantona caller perspective, two goals, one assist, uh, pretty pretty nice return. Uh, I wish I captained him in my fantasy team. I would have been in a really healthy position, but hey, <laughs> at least I have him in the team, so I'm happy. Um, <laughs> so I think... For the second goal, what I really liked was 
just that creativity, right? Because you, you, you talk about Chelsea game, you talk about the Arsenal game, and there was a lack of creativity. And so to see how we scored both goals today from open play, no penalties, that was great. Even the third goal, counterattack, something that we've been used to in the past. But I really like the first two where, you know, a team's gone 1-0 up and potentially sitting back and we were able to break through the lines and actually score. So, I mean, clearly what it's telling me is that, number one, the players possess the, the necessarily ta- necessary talent to be creative and get goals. And then number two, it shows the resilience that we can have if we put our minds to it. I think this is why fans are also so upset when we lose and we lose in the manner in which we've lost our last two games before this, where it's just been no chances created. And if we played for another 90 minutes, we probably wouldn't have created that many more. I think that's the the frustrating aspect. I wonder if Everton could have showed better discipline because from the 16th minute till the 32nd minute, it was so open. You would have thought it was, you know, extra time, uh, you know, in one of those matches where both teams are just completely, you know, leggy and just the midfield is completely open. There, the 16th minute, Marshall has that shot that he drags across the left post. Then Bernard scores in the 19th minute. Then Bruno levels. Luca Dean, he smashed De Gea's left post. He had that one-two with Bernard. I thought Bruno's goal a bit lucky. Uh, he had, he had a phantom free kick that he won. Marshall led a counter where he found Rashford, but overhit the pass. So there were all these chances in this sort of stretch of the game where I wonder Everton, especially after getting that goal, I think maybe you also have to think in terms of if we if we can get into the half up one nil, they will really feel the pressure. And I thought especially with their midfield three, they didn't show enough discipline. It was almost like they thought the other way where they were like, oh, United's here for the taking. And they were feeling good about being, you know, again, we can have this debate about whether you really have a home field advantage. But I think on on their home turf, they may have felt a bit more confident than they should have and maybe allowed United back in it a bit too easily. I think you bring up a good point. So if we take a look at this game from an Everton perspective, going 1-0 up, perfect start, right? And then you've got Decore and you've got Alan in there who are like fantastic defensive midfielders. I mean, they I was watching them the way they pressed. As soon as it almost looked like as soon as United crossed the halfway line, that was when they were in got into action and pressed right away. And then United would have to pass laterally or backwards, right? So it was working. So I completely agree. I think you hit the nail on the head. Discipline. Just a lack of discipline is what allowed United to come back into this game. Now, I think Everton missed a trick here. If they were able to close the lines, especially on Bruno. Uh, so if, if it was something that was as simple as like, hey, United can beat us as long as it's not Bruno who's beating us. Right? If there was that simple directive, I think the result would have been very different. I do not know why, but the amount of time that Bruno was allowed on the ball in many situations was uh, was criminal. If I was an Everton fan, I would be upset at that. Because like, if you're going to make Fred or Scott unlock our, our defense, so be it. If it's Bruno, no, I'm not having that. So uh, question for you here. We don't usually do this, but if you were to rate... Carlo Ancelotti and his management skills, because he's a really good manager. He's managed some fantastic teams, right? We give Ole a hard time sometimes. So 
if you were to rate Carlo Ancelotti out of 10, what would you rate him based on that performance? And number two, do you even think it's Ancelotti's fault or do you think it's just the players on the field? First of all, if I were to give him a rating, I'd probably give him about a six. I, I don't think he was very impressive in this match. In terms of tactics, we were anticipating adjustments from Ancelotti. And we were trying to see, okay, the test for Ole is going to be how he adjusts to the adjustments. But it was almost like Ancelotti was a little too confident saying, okay, we're doing the right things. We just need things to click for us. And maybe he didn't identify that, hey, the game is being played a little too stretched right now. We need to bring that discipline back. Because for me, when you go to the second half, United maybe didn't look like they were on the front foot completely. But I thought their discipline was really solid. When I look at the second half against Istanbul, where they completely lost their shape and completely lost their way, this one, you could see their shape throughout. You could see their discipline throughout. You could see their commitment throughout. I didn't think Ancelotti did enough to counter that. It's interesting how we look at narratives, right? We talk about the pressure that Ole is feeling. Realistically, if you look at Everton right now, all the hype that they have received, the reality is this. They got extremely lucky against Liverpool. You think about Pickford not getting a red for his foul on Virgil van Dijk. You think about Henderson having his goal disallowed at the end. Then, okay, James Rodriguez is out. But they still they lose to Southampton. They lose to Newcastle. Now they've lost to Manchester United. Where is now the negative sort of media coming for Everton and Ancelotti? Yeah, I think you, you bring up a good point, right? Like, uh, uh, I think when you're Manchester United and you have the media spotlight, I mean, what gives what gives all the uh, the newspapers and the journalists some attention? It's when you talk about Manchester United because of the number, amount of fans out there, right? So mm-hmm. it's important for us and Manchester United fans themselves not to get carried away with this media attention because we are this we are in the spotlight all the time right and we need to remember that we have to take the highs and we have to take the lows right this is clearly not a finished product this team and so we have to expect results which don't go our way one thing we shouldn't expect is when there's a lack of intensity and 100% isn't given right and i think uh, that's a fair bar to set now, speaking of uh, setting a low bar, that brings us to our Beckham boot. <laughs> who's uh, who's your uh, Beckham boot, uh, Vivek? I think we're in agreement here. I think Anthony Marshall, when you look across the field, Juan Bissaka was okay. I thought the center backs actually did a really good job, both between Lindelof and Maguire. Luke Shaw had a solid performance. Fred and Scott, you mentioned... Uh, again, just to quickly touch on that, Fred and Scott, their passing, we talk about Bruno being given space. I, I wonder how much of their quality passing and some of the outlets that they were able to make, whether it was to Rashford, whether it was to Marshall, or whether it was to Bruno, was because space that they were also afforded. Again, that's another criticism that I would have of Everton. But after making those passes, you look at Marshall in positions where he received the ball, I don't know that he did quite enough. I think you mentioned this as well before we started this podcast that some balls were overhit. Some ball, some areas where he received the ball, he looked a little uncertain in terms of who to tee up, when to tee them up. And I think it's fair to say that he gets the Beckham boot. 
Yeah, I, I agree. I think the good part about what he did today was that he was able to get into space a couple of times. Mm-hmm. I know Paul Scholes has been extremely critical of Martial that he doesn't run enough. He doesn't put in enough effort. I thought once again in the second half, he kind of, it's almost like he wasn't getting the ball as frequently and he, he, just, he tended to stop making the runs, right? And as a United striker, you can't do that, especially when you're you're towing the line. A guy by the name of Cavani now getting a goal under his belt. He's going to be knocking on the door for that starting spot. So uh, Anthony's got a, some competition for places there. And so if he doesn't if he doesn't maintain a consistent level, something that's been uh, one of his downfalls, he could soon find himself on the bench and not because of a suspension. Right? So mm-hmm. yeah, and then Cavani comes on. Obviously, he's in a favorable favorable situation where he comes on in the 80th minute, Everton are pressing for the goal. And so you get an opportunity that Martial, he's off the pitch. There's every chance that he scores that type of opportunity as well. Again, with Cavani, this is a player who has tons of experience, has played in big matches, has scored big goals. And I think this is going to be really good for the club to have that competition. You look at Rashford's finishing in this match, Maybe there's something to be learned from Cavani. And that's the type of experience that he can pass down. Because again, we talk about that missed header that he had. He was through one-on-one with Pickford. Obviously, he had to fire quickly because the defender was closing down on him. But maybe on PlayStation, he hits the R1 and picks out a corner and it's a goal. And <laughs> he didn't have that chance here. So little things like that, I think Cavani is going to help the club. I don't think he helps the club with his diving. We've seen two massive dives so far. I think that's something that I'd like to see a little less of. That was a little embarrassing, that's for sure. It was a good thing Richarlison wasn't playing this match. Between the two of them, it would have been quite the show. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it would have been. Uh, we might have had to have a new award uh, for, for best <laughs> diver there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's important that we touch on a, a stretch in sort of the 57th to the 62nd minute. You know, there was a run that Seamus Coleman had where no one really picked him up. Fred tried to sneak in a tackle and he had plenty of room for a shot for some reason chose not to because he had that indecision and didn't choose to shoot. He's able to get closed down. And then a bit later, and this is probably the bigger talking point, long ball comes into the box. Pickford goes up to catch it. Bobbles the ball. Maguire tries to get on it. And Pickford tries to kick it away. No penalty is given. We've seen clown mistakes from Pickford like this for quite some time now. Later on, Maguire is frustrated by this. He slides in for a challenge on Luca Dean. I didn't think it was a foul at all. He got to the ball first and it goes out. But that was a bit of feistiness that I thought was an interesting moment in the match. How Pickford is England's goalie is beyond me, given the mistakes that he makes. But then again, England has always been suspect when it comes to the goalkeeper department. So I guess it shouldn't surprise me. I thought Maguire was a lucky boy in today's game. He got a bit of the ball, and I think that's the only thing that saved him. If he didn't get the ball, I think he would have been. He would have received his marching orders. I think VAR would have yeah. learned. They would have learned from the uh, the Pickford incident against Liverpool. And they would have sent him off even though there was an offside before the play. Yeah, that's a, that's a fair comment. Just going back to the Pickford bobble, 
Did you think that was a penalty? I actually, I don't think the foul was on Pickford. Because even though he kicks out, he misses Maguire. But if you watch the replay, it's Michael Keane who also tries to kick the ball away. And to me, it's Michael Keane who actually kicks Harry Maguire. And so when Maguire goes down, I almost think it's a mistake on his part to be looking for the foul on Pickford. Everyone assumes it's Pickford because he's the one that's used to making these gaffes. But I thought it was Keane who made that initial kick on his knee. Uh, interesting uh, pick out there. I, I must say I was focusing more on the replay in what on what Pickford was doing. Uh, yeah. I know there was some contact, but I think referees in general are are less likely to give anything when a player gets a shot off, even though they might get clattered afterwards. And I, I don't think that's correct. I'm pretty sure that if Harry Maguire didn't get the shot off, they would have reviewed that. So I think the fact that he got the shot off and it went uh, over the goal was caused like, okay, fine, he was still able to get the shot off and then he got hit afterwards, so advantage was played. But I'm not really sure I agree with that rule in the first place. But just in terms of the contact, I wouldn't say that was a penalty. I think just nowadays with the way things are going and the way players are milking any sort of contact, it's hard to tell. Uh, and it's a little sad if I'm being honest, but oh well, uh, that's that's today's game, right? Yeah, that's fair. I think in terms of missed opportunities, that final minute, we, talk, we talked about Cavani finally getting on the score sheet. But before that, as we said, Everton were pressing in those final 10 minutes. And that was a moment of real tension for United, for fans watching. DeCourie has a golden opportunity as the ball is slid over to him. And completely misses it just kicks the air and that's that leads to united going down the field but boy if de would have tied it there for everton that would have turned around the vibes pretty quickly oh yeah we would be having a completely different headline we would be talking about pochettino and the rumors i guarantee it i mean you think about it de actually had two good chances in the last yeah he skied the other one he skied the other one it was a nice cutback and he missed that one. And then this one, I don't know what happened because everything happened so quickly. I didn't even get to see replays of how he missed that. Uh, it could very well be that we're not giving uh, a United defender enough credit for putting him under pressure. And that's why he missed it. But nonetheless, you, you make a fantastic point. Uh, the narrative could be extremely different had he put that in the back of the net. Yeah, Carl, you look at those missed opportunities for Decore. It reminds me of times when... Fred would have shots lined up for himself and I would have zero expectation of the ball finding the net. And maybe that's how Everton fans feel for him. And maybe beyond, you know, Hamas and Sigurdsson and obviously Calvert-Lewin, you don't really have that expectation of someone to find the back of the net. A lot of similarities, right? You got Scott and Fred who, if they get a shot on target, you're happy. I'll take that. Right, and then on that side, you probably got Alan and and Decore in the same boat. Sigurdsson, I think, was a little disappointing uh, defensively. He's been disappointing for a while now. Yeah, yeah, and that's, I won't be surprised. If, you know, so clearly he's got an eye for a pass, but on the defensive side, he's found wanting. Uh, who does that remind you of on the United team? Right, there's a certain guy by the name of Pogba who has very similar <laughs> characteristics. So. It's interesting how similar these teams are in terms of their midfield and the combinations and and just 
not having that all-rounded midfielder that can do both sides right of the game. If you're looking at Richarlison coming back into the team, do you directly bring him back for Bernard? Or do you say, okay, let Richarlison take that spot in that front three, but then does Bernard maybe just slide into Sigurdsson's spot? Because I thought his chemistry with Luka Dean was really good. And so if you can have that left side being Dean, Bernard, and Richarlison, I think that makes it really strong. I don't know if uh, Bernard has the composure to play in in the midfield. I think that his, his uh, retaining of possession would be suspect. And mm-hmm. um, I know Carlo Ancelotti, I mean, both of us know when he's been in the Premier League previously with Chelsea, one of the knocks on him was that great going forward, suspect in defense, right? And mm-hmm. I think he's shown that almost everywhere he's gone. So right. uh, this is something Everton fans should be expecting. Uh, and and speaking of which, one one award that we haven't handed out yet is the uh, the long stuff long shot. Who do you have in mind for that? Well, I mean, here I am arguing the point that he should maybe just stay in the starting lineup. So I will give it to Bernard. I, I, I thought again the chemistry that he had with Luca Dean. They had some one twos, and that's again I think another thing that United need to be mindful of is they play these one twos, and a lot of times they don't track the runner. And I think they need to do a better job of that, whether it's Mata. I think at times, uh, if there was maybe one criticism that I have with, with Scott McTominay, there, there were times where he didn't either. I am critical of Mata on the defensive end, but at the same time, when I think about United's options on the right, would I expect Greenwood to do that job either? No. So it, that that is just a clear weakness that United have on the, on that right side where you're just leaning on Juan Bissaka heavily. But anyway, back to Everton. I thought Bernard made the most of his opportunity, especially when you consider that Juan Bissaka would be considered the favorite in that matchup. Yeah, I agree with you. I think uh, Bernard started the game off really well. He scored that goal. Great chemistry with Dinia. Uh, I thought he sort of fell off a little towards the end of the game, but that's fine. Uh, he did put in quite the shift. And so, yeah, a long stop, long shot to Bernard, no, no doubt. So United, it's nice for them to get the three points here in the league again. And again, that positive note to head into the international break. Is there anything that you wanted to touch on before we finish up here, Carl? Yeah, just a couple of quick points. I just wanted to make uh, something for our our fans and United fans to to just uh, ponder on throughout the international break. Uh, Number one, uh, having a deep squad helps not only from a rotation standpoint, but also from a competition standpoint. You look at the uptick in Luke Shaw's game uh, based on Alex Tellis just giving him competition, right? So similarly, Edinson Cavani coming to the squad, some people might argue we didn't need him in the first place, but hey, we've got a little bit of depth in there. Guess what? He scores a couple of goals. The starting striker, which is Martial or Rashford, they're now looking over their shoulder wondering, hey, if I have a bad game here, I could find myself on the bench, right? So this is a healthy competition for places, which is much needed at this United team because I personally believe, and this leads me to my second point, sometimes Ole gets put on the spot and sometimes that's right because tactically he did not get it right. And Arsenal is one game where I would agree on that. Now, we also have to give the players a bit of stick when they're not performing their duties. You can talk about strategy or tactics all day. If you do not execute out on the field, it's not Ole's fault. It's the player's fault. And so I think 
the question I wanted to just ask is like, you know, when you when you're playing poorly, right? And it's not because of the tactics. I think the players should take the blame and not the manager, right? And so mm-hmm. invariably, when you lose a game, most of the time, it's because you're playing poorly. Yes, there are times where the opposition was just fantastic and you have to uh, give your tip your hat to them and say, hey, you did a much better job than us and you deserve to win, right? But invariably, Manchester United, some of the teams that they're playing, they have better players than them. Istanbul, Arsenal, uh, Crystal Palace, right? I can keep going. These are games that you should be winning because man for man, your players are better than the opposition, right? So it comes down to the players sometimes. I just want you all to remember that. And lastly, it's not all doom and gloom. Just looking at the table right now, Manchester United have 10 points from seven games. Chelsea, 12 points from seven games. Everton, 13 points from eight games. All right. Manchester United is in 14th position. Everton, three points ahead of us, played a game more, are in fifth position. Right. So it's it's just it's it's amazing what three points can do for you. And at the end of the day, it's not all doom and gloom. Yeah, and Harry Maguire had a quote after the, the match that perfectly encapsulates everything that you just said, Carl. Maguire said, It's important to bounce back from setbacks. We did it at Newcastle. We started the game really well, but conceded a disappointing goal from a long direct ball, and we should have had better cover. We've been questioned, but we know we don't answer them in 90 minutes. We answer them day in, day out. The lads are working tirelessly for this club. Everyone wants to improve and do better. The manager has to pull the lads off the training ground. I think we know the first goal in Istanbul can't happen. We went away to Turkey and knew it would be a tough game. It made it a frustrating night for us, and the individuals knew in the changing room straight after and held their hands up and apologized. We are a good group who worked really hard and we're all in this together. Interesting. Yeah, no, it's it's a good message coming from your captain. People talk about maybe not having leaders in the dressing room. Well, Bruno showed it on the pitch today and some some nice words from Harry taking responsibility as well. I think that's going to do it for this episode. Just one thing I want to quickly highlight heading into the international break. 19-year-old midfielder Ethan Galbraith obviously represents United at the under-21s. He's been playing for Northern Ireland's under-21s. He has now made the national team the senior squad. And so he should feature interesting quote from the manager saying, (laughs) not to put too much pressure on him, but... He is our Xavier Iniesta in the way that he sets up our play. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> the less I say, the better. <laughs> A reminder, we are on Twitter at Red Couch Manx. If you enjoy the show, we encourage you to subscribe and join us after every match. And let your friends who might be interested know about it, too. Reviews and ratings are greatly appreciated. On behalf of Carl and myself, thank you for listening to Red Couch Manx. We'll see you after the break.